hi guys this is in bed with omotaya me welcome back into my bed if this is your first time here thank you so much for joining me on this channel i like to talk about singleness and relationships i like to talk about career and figuring out your path and your purpose and i do all of this through the lens of faith because i find it to be the most grounding the most consistent this world has so many options i find faith to be the steadiest path in today's video i'm talking a little about something i've been thinking about a lot when it comes to christianity and faith i find that the media platforms are filled with irate christians who are always speaking against the evils in the world but there's a reason why light is meant to shine in darkness which means that people who can't see normally are supposed to be able to see when they see the light and so there is a way that we are meant to be as light to attract people to the light of god the way we live our lives as christians is meant to be so obviously different it's meant to be so obviously the right path so much so that it's only people who are determined intentionally to stay in the darkness that will stay in the darkness but most people are actually looking for light most people are looking for relief most people are looking for healing most people are looking for love and these are all the things that jesus is meant to represent that jesus is meant to bring into people's lives and so if christians are shining that light and if we are actually bringing that hope then naturally and instinctively it would be the choice that people choose but we see in the world every day that it is not the choice and so I kind of um, sat down took time to write my thoughts down so that I wouldn't be talking emotionally and I'm essentially reading it to you guys today um, if you're Christian or if you're curious about Christianity or if you've been hurt by Christianity I really hope something about today's video resonates with you touches your heart and maybe maybe even inspires you to take another look at christianity to see if there is value in it for you all right preamble and intro over i really hope you enjoy this hi my name is Omotayo. welcome to my bed The voice of Christians in the world today is harsh and abrasive. It stirs up cynicism, disillusionment, resentment, and distrust. Why? I think it's because we're speaking to non-Christians from our Christian perspective, and we expect them to be able to respond and behave according to the standards and expectations that the Bible requires of us Christians. It is important to note here that the Bible itself does not impose any standards on non-Christians. All the Bible's mandates and guidelines are specific to believing Christians alone. There's a very different way in which we are to speak to our fellow Christians from how we're meant to address non-Christians. For example, if someone comes from a different culture, you don't expect them to dress the same way you do. And so when you see them dress different, you recognize it for what it is and you understand that they have come from a culture in which that form of dressing is preferred. You don't try to change their culture or force yours on them. However, if you believe that their culture is harmful, for instance, cultures where women aren't allowed to go to school, then you might believe that it is better for them to change that culture in order to improve their society. In that case, you are certain that it is a benefit that they actually require and you are hopeful that they would be open to receiving that benefit. In that case, you go through a process of first getting to know them, then earning their trust, all the while displaying your values 
so that just by looking at your behavior, they can tell whether or not they would like to emulate that behavior for themselves. This would then lead to opportunities for you to talk about your culture and give them room to ask questions about things that would initially sound ridiculous to them. This process takes time. You're essentially building a relationship of mutual respect before introducing your views in the hopes that it would start the process of changing their mind. Businesses do this all the time. When a company is looking to expand into a different country or city, one or two representatives go in, meet the people, interact with them and start to build a relationship there. Then the new service or product is introduced in order to test their acceptance or response. It takes time to go through this process, to learn what the new territory's objections are, to adapt the messaging into language and terminology that the new culture understands, and to slowly build trust. Jesus did this all the time. He went from city to city, from village to village, spreading the word, doing signs and wonders, but where he was rejected, he didn't stay and force himself on them. He moved on to the next village to see where he would be received, where his word would be accepted. Today, evangelists who go into non-Christian countries also know this. They go in, live with the people, learn the language, mingle and build trust, while slowly introducing their values to the people. Even the colonialists did this in their own way. They came in as friends, built trust and alliances with our ancestors, who eventually welcomed them in. That leads to the next point. Why do people resist the gospel even when we try hard to build trust and relationships? I believe it is because of examples like colonialism, in the sense that people have had experiences that have taught them not to trust other people. And we cannot go around as Christians and ignore the extreme distrust that is in the world because of church hurt of all kinds. From outright lies told from the pulpit, to abuse and evil practices condoned by preachers, the church today has more examples of evil than good. That is a fact. We have all had personal experiences or seen the experiences of people close to us where someone in church in a position of authority invested in them by the religious institution that is the church has physically abused or verbally abused or emotionally abused or exploited finances or has lied to or cheated or blamed someone when something bad happened. Mothers being accused when they miscarry their children or when their children are ill. Women and children being accused when they are abused sexually single people being pressured into marrying the wrong people, people in abusive marriages being guilted into staying, that sort of thing. But even beyond that, there are so many people whose spiritual gifts have been abused. People who had a natural inclination towards the perceptive spiritual gifts being demonized for those gifts. People being called witches and wizards because they received revelations of things that would happen. Dreams being called demonic. And so, out of the institution of the church today, there has been and there continues to be consistent abuse in every single evil and unjust form that is in existence in the rest of the world. So, Christians, when we say we are standing for the gospel, what does that look like? And what should that look like? There's a difference between us saying we're standing our ground, holding on to our faith, defending our faith, 
and saying that we are trying to actively spread the word. Those are two different positions, two different perspectives, and they also require different approaches. To stand your ground makes the assumption that you already believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means that you were not coerced into going to church, but that you genuinely received a revelation in your spirit that the impossible story of God turning into man, then dying, then going back to become God, is real. This might seem like an obvious statement to someone who already does not believe, but the salvation story is not an easy thing to believe. You cannot believe it with your intellect because it would be foolish to do so. There is no logical difference between believing in the story of Jesus and believing in the story of Cinderella. This implies, therefore, that you have to have a conviction outside of logic to believe it. This is where personal conviction comes in. If someone forces you to accept something that looks foolish as a fact, then you did not believe it for yourself. And when push comes to shove, you will abandon that so-called belief because it was never deeply rooted in the first place. You never owned it. You never believed in it. You never wanted it, perhaps. It was forced on you. I will pause here to state something that is also obvious but overlooked. Most church-going people do not have a personal belief in the crazy story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That is, again, because it is not an easy thing to believe. The Christian faith seems so easy because it says everyone who believes will be saved. But it is not easy to believe in the salvation story. The Christian faith requires us to believe in what we do not understand and then promises us that we will understand it after we believe. Any logical thinking human being would be skeptical of such an offer. That is why it is only by the Spirit of God that we can truly believe. This is also why we must be gentle when speaking to people in the world, people who have no just cause to believe the foolishness of faith. Hey, if you're still listening, this is just a reminder to please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to send me your comments, your questions, your contributions, or any opinions that you'd like to share. My email address is heyomotayo at gmail.com. That's H-E-Y-O-M-O-T-A-Y-O at gmail.com. You can also check out my Instagram. I'm also there at heyomotayo. Feel free to send me a DM. Say hello. Okay, now I'm going to let you continue listening. So I had said that there is a difference between standing our ground as Christians and actively trying to spread the word. And I just tried to explain that before we can stand our ground to uphold and defend what we believe in, we must actually believe in it for ourselves without coercion. Historically, many Christians were coerced by their parents to adopt the religion rather than being given the environment within which to develop their own personal choice. Christianity is, at its very foundation, a personal choice. Many Christians were also coerced by churches to say what has come to be known as the sinner's prayer, words that they repeat mindlessly after an emotionally stirring sermon, the emotion of which often fades after the sermon is over. I would liken this arrangement to asking someone if they love you 
just before agreeing to have sex with them. They might indeed love you, but you also recognize the possibility that they only said it because they were already in a heightened state that would fade after the act is done. The process of manipulating people to confess Christ or risk hell is identical to the process of manipulating a confession out of a criminal or risk torture. Or perhaps a closer parallel would be to force a woman to marry a man or risk poverty and destitution. When it comes to spreading the gospel, we must first respect other human beings as thinking beings and understand that they have a right to their perspective one that they have developed over the years and that they have had experiences that have shaped their views and influenced their choices in life. In today's day and age, they've also actually gone through life observing the very many Christians they have come in contact with and they have made the very logical and practical decision that they would rather opt out of such a divisive religious system. As Paul said, their condemnation is just the religious institution that is the church is corrupt and rife with the identical ills that are evident in the rest of the world. As such, it is with humility that we Christians need to recognize that non-Christians are not being stubborn or being argumentative just for the sake of it or just trying to silence Christianity or just afraid of the name of Jesus. On the contrary, they use the name quite often just as a curse word to them, it is devoid of honor. But non-Christians did not invent these opinions by themselves out of thin air. Rather, they have watched Christians over the years, decades, centuries in history, and they have come to what is actually quite a logical conclusion considering the data. It is impossible to live in a house that is smeared with filth and convince someone else to come in to live with you. You would have to clean out your house first. When your house is clean, it would stand out on a street of dirty houses and then they will come to you and ask how you manage to keep it clean despite the soot and the filth in the atmosphere. Then you'll actually have something to share that will be of value to them. Christians, today we are living in houses smeared with filth and saying at least my corner is clean, at least my pastor doesn't steal, at least my fellowship is nice. And the world isn't interested in that. Most of us who are watching this do not live in cities where people have never heard of Jesus. More likely than not, most of us are friends with people who understand the idea of Christianity and don't want anything to do with it. Therefore, it is up to us to live in a way that will make someone who has sworn off the church actually have second thoughts about coming back in. Many of them would have heard the summary of the message of the gospel. Some would even be able to quote Bible verses. Therefore, that cannot be your way in. You would have to display a purity of heart, a consistent love, the fruits of the Spirit that can only come from having the Spirit. And you would only be able to display that fruit if you truly have it. Do you? Do we? Do I? Do we truly seek to be at peace with all men as long as it is up to us? Or are we the kind of Christians who are saved but we still have hands? Do we even want to learn how to forgive or does it make us look weak to let it go? Do we always have a clap back ready because our mama didn't raise no fool? Do we still argue that Jesus didn't mean it when he said we should turn the other cheek? Remember that he only expected from us and not necessarily from the other person. There's nothing wrong with living our lives being ourselves unless we actually want to let Christ live his life through us. If that's the case, as it should be, 
with all believing Christians, then we can't justify our actions by the fact that we are merely human because we Christians are meant to be examples of what it looks like to be humans being God. And no human can be God if they don't believe that it is possible. And it is not possible unless you believe that God has made it possible. And you can't believe that God has made it possible unless you believe the ridiculous story of the man who lived and died as God. And you can't believe the ridiculous story of the man who lived and died as God if you believe that a God who would kill his son is cruel. Instead, you must somehow believe that 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 God did it because of how much he loved us. And then you must believe that that same God wants us to partake in the nature of God and also live on earth like the man who was also God lived. On top of that, you must believe that this nature of God thing even has any value in the world we live in today. I mean, what's the evidence of that? And if you manage to believe all of this, you must be committed to living a life that reflects this every day, which means taking up that God man's identity daily, choosing it over the other options that the world presents, and following the path that his nature leads you in. And when you stumble, as anyone who has a heavy cross to carry every single day, inevitably will, you must believe that it is better for you to get up and continue than to just give up. There is nothing easy about this life. But if we truly manage to believe this, God will have room to show the world whether or not it is true through you, through me, like the prophet Elijah, who stood next to the evil people in the world and asked for evidence that the God he called on was the actual God like the apostles who lived loving the people in the world, but lived so differently from them and thereby gave God room to show himself mighty in their lives. Like Jesus said, the evidence of God will follow those who believe. And so while we have inherited the accusatory and condescending tone of preachers and teachers before us, who shout at non-Christians and make it seem like they're stupid for not believing, make it seem like it is the obvious choice. We must see that faith in Jesus has never been the obvious choice. It has always been the hard, sacrificial choice. We cannot be so deluded as to think that this Christian life is easy to choose. And we cannot be in a hurry to condemn a world for not choosing it when we ourselves struggle to believe and to choose it daily. The Bible calls us to die daily and no one in their right mind rushes to kill themselves. They must think about it and count the cost. Otherwise, they will start building and lose the will to continue halfway, leaving a decrepit, uncompleted building behind. Many of us Christians are like uncompleted buildings. We lost the will to continue building because we realized it was too hard. However, we have somehow managed to applaud ourselves for even building at all and managed to look down on other people who don't believe. Those who have looked at our lives and have decided that they would rather not expend resources if this is the repeated outcome. A Christian gives their life, has a flare of passion, then crashes unceremoniously and ends up just as cynical and unbelieving as all the other Christians before, having the outward appearance of the believer but lacking conviction. And then the rest of the church looks at them, shakes their head and turns their back. So many believers have gone out like this. So what exactly is the attraction to non-believers? Anyway, before we set out on our sanctimonious podiums on a mission to make Jesus famous, we need to pause and see that this work is first internal. And since it is our ultimate goal, our light will inevitably and eventually shine 
when we have cleaned out our dirty lamps. Alright guys, that's all I have for today. I really hope you enjoyed that. I hope it connected with you. I hope it made you think a little deeper about whether or not you really believe. And I think that even in the process of me writing it, I had to think about it. Do I really believe or do I believe up to a point? Do I believe halfway? Do I believe some things? Are there things that I don't believe that I'm asking questions about? And I think it's important for us to know that we can ask God God wants us to ask him and he wants to give us that revelation. He wants to give us that increased understanding because it's only when we are deeply rooted and grounded in love and love of God and in faith. And that's when that fruit will be attractive to other people who would then come to us so that they can partake of the same fruit. I just want to remind you to please rate or like this podcast, regardless of what platform you're listening on. I would really appreciate it. And oh, please share it with anyone who you think would enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you so much again for watching. Thank you for climbing into bed with me today. And I'll see you in bed again next week. Bye.